Whether packing for a destination vacation or planning a staycation, Macy's has everything you need. Summer's almost here, and I'm so excited to take a trip with Bryn. We are planning it right now. We are heading to Macy's before we pack to grab new shoes we can wear all day with anything. I'm excited to lay in the sun with key pieces from Macy's, like my new Dolce Vita sandals and Levi's skirt. I am ready to relax and look and feel amazing. Oh, how good that sounds. Of course, I can't forget a new beach bag. I have been eyeing the collection of beach bags from Macy's, and I can't wait for you to see what I choose. Shop at Macy's.com slash own your style. Whether it's her first Mother's Day or her 40th, she deserves more. Shop tons of stunning on-trend jewelry for every budget at Diamonds Direct. Diamond fashion jewelry, beautiful birthstones, everyday pearls, starting at just $200. Commemorate the real loves of her life with a gorgeous pendant featuring the birthstone of the one who made her mom. This Mother's Day, Diamonds Direct has everything you need to say thank you. Diamonds Direct, your love, our passion. Online at DiamondsDirect.com. You deserve a moment to yourself every single day. And a delicious bite of a Keebler Sandies can give you that comforting pause. Don't forget to pack the melt-in-your-mouth magic of a Keebler Sandies for a post-errands pick-me-up. This magic is baked into simple shortbread cookies by Ernie and the Keebler Elves. So as life continues to fly by, make the most of your me moment. Take a pause and enjoy a Keebler Sandies. The virus that causes shingles is sleeping in 99% of people over 50. While not everyone at risk will develop shingles, it strikes as a painful rash that can last for weeks. Wake up because shingles could wake up in you. Ask your doctor or pharmacist about shingles prevention. I posted something that was the creation of my daughter, Brynn. So we went to Chinatown. We went to dim sum. And we love that as a ritual. And it's so fun. They come up with the carts. And uh, it's just creative. And it's just an adventure. And Brynn and I always do these sort of experiential, cultural things together, particularly around food. Um, And... We have gone before, but this time the ducks hanging in the window really affected her. She just, you know, it bothers her and she doesn't want to look and she wants to walk by it. And when she was younger, she was a vegetarian. She loves animals. I mean, really loves animals. We have two rescue dogs. They're her babies. They're her brothers. She's obsessed with them. And she loves the idea of just rescue and understands the difference and thinks they're so lucky, which they are. Uh, We rescued them from North Shore Animal League. And that night I was in my bedroom and I overheard her talking out loud. I thought it was a book report at first. I couldn't figure out what she was doing. And then I heard her just sounded like a little activist. She was like, stand up for animal rights. And she was talking so emphatically and it was like a grown up. And I had no idea that she had also found all of this footage online about animal cruelty. And so she said to me, right now, I'm going vegetarian again. I don't, she, she didn't say vegan, and she kind of knows the difference, but uh, I don't know that she wouldn't eat every cookie she sees, and I don't know how deep she would go. And it's not that easy. And even, it's just not that easy. Even for someone who has access and we're in New York, it's not that easy to do, um, as particularly for a little kid and you're at birthday parties. And so she'll do the best that she can like she did last time. But she had these videos of 
kill shelters and of puppy mills. And she spoke with such passion and I decided to post it and I decided to make it part of Be Strong, my relief effort that we would raise money under her initiative and distribute it to different animal charities, including North Shore Animal League, who I got Biggie and Smalls from. And all the comments, I was surprised that the comments were so positive and just also relating to the fact that I had said we, you know, we are 90% vegetarian because she doesn't really just like meat to begin with and neither do I. It'll be rare that I'll have something. I don't, you know, my fiance eats protein every meal, animal protein every meal. And it has increasingly bothered me more just seeing it and knowing what the animal actual is, actually is. And it's just something that I've thought about and I've evolved more towards and I've heard the stories about, uh, animals being separated from their mothers so that so that mother cows I guess have more milk in them and then they're I guess better for slaughter and that you hear screaming with the babies when they're being separated from their mother and it made me think about how you know and then people said that they hunt but then they have to eat what they kill and you know all these rules for it and I have leather and I have crocodile bags in my closet and I years ago posed for PETA I'd rather go naked than wear fur and then stopped wearing fur, but I still had certain vintage things in my closet that were hard to get rid of, and some things that had fur trim on them. And you know, I have leather bags and and some and leather pants, and you know, I don't always ask if there's a soup if it has chicken stock. So it, you know, there's there's you could go so far with this, and it's funny because you know, Brim was saying it's murder, and they didn't ask to be killed, and so many people related to this on my post. And there were a couple of people said, "Please don't shame people for eating meat," which I absolutely am not, and I definitely said ninety percent vegetarianism because I didn't want to paint myself into some corner that I'm not in, and that I don't. It's not that I don't fully understand it; it's that I'm I've done the best that I can at certain points, and then quote unquote fallen off, and then gotten back on. It's just been a general awareness that I've had. But I would really love it if I could not eat animals. I intellectually and emotionally understand this perspective that Bryn has. And it seems like a lot of other people do also. And they find that it's hard or it's hard for their kids or they really wish they could. Some people, many people said, I did it because of this and um, because of X, Y, or Z. And I've never felt better. I had these health issues, which are gone. Many people said my child also was the reason that I stopped eating meat because they were passionate about it. And I just found it to be so interesting. We had, there were like she got like 1,800 comments and about 300,000 views on this post and thousands of dollars. And Paul, my fiance, who eats meat and eats chicken all the time, we had a, he had a vegan meal last time and he said he really wanted to try and make an effort. And we read that Serena Williams or somebody said, you try, like, you do one thing one day at a time. You don't just go in all the way. You do meatless Monday, they said, and then vegan taco Tuesday. And you sort of try to ease yourself in. But it really sort of awakened me to this. And so many companies, you know, Burger King and McDonald's and major companies have moved in this direction. It's got to be because of demand. If you walk into any supermarket or health food store or Trader Joe's, it's obviously so prevalent. So we're all thinking about it. And I thought about how, you know, certain animal rights uh, charities bully people. And I don't think that's the way... To do it the same way that I thought in politics, 
to get people to agree with you is not to bully them. Then people were secretly voting. So I've seen that I know a lot of people who pretend that they don't wear fur, but then they secretly wear fur or, you know, are just a have it, but are afraid they're just going to sort of get caught and get trolled. And I, trolling is not the answer. A conversation and education is the answer. It being what people have been doing on Instagram and saying, I too wish I could and I'm trying. You know, Paul, my fiance, does not like vegetables, okay? He doesn't like vegetables. He likes mescaline greens. He will not eat, he just doesn't, and he doesn't like fruit. So for a person like that, I mean, he doesn't like avocado or anything. So for a person like that, if they're trying to go vegan without eating all the fake meat, it's going to be a process and going to be an education and going to be a lot of work and going to be a lot of resources. And, you know, d does he need a chef to help him because he's busy and a lot of smoothies and nut butter and things like that and nut milks. And it's not that easy. So I think it's better for all of us to sort of talk about it and say what we're struggling with, if that's a goal of ours. Um, and just not be so sort of black or white about it, that it's like we're all vegan, a million percent vegan, or we are animal haters and killers. And it's funny because I was thinking about the slaughterhouses and some of these movies, Ellen told me to watch a movie one time and I forgot what it's called. It's something like the best movie you'll ever see or something. It's a movie about this. And the guy tells us, educates us, educates us as to the fact that animals have instincts. So he likened it to the fact that people knew that they were going to be incinerated and saying that animals have instincts and they know that they're going to be slaughtered. You know, the screaming and all that stuff that they know that. So I was thinking, and I thought it was, when I heard the Michael Vick thing, I thought it was the worst thing I'd ever heard in my life. Like, he should never be playing football again. Oh, my God. I thought it was the worst thing ever. And um, he did play football again. And it was because he arranged all of these dog fights. So it was proactively, intentionally having dogs fight with each other uh, so people could bet on it. And I thought it was the worst thing ever. And it is the worst thing ever. But if, am I a hypocrite? Because is it worse than animals being tortured, but I have bags that are derived from that process, but I just don't know about it. So I'm not the person that organized the fight, but I'm one of the people watching the fight and just standing by. So is that the same thing for Paul If he, and anybody who's eating meat, that if they're educated and they know that these animals know that they're being slaughtered or they're definitely being tortured, and then other people say, well, there are more humane ways to kill. So then we're deciding how something should be killed. And you just should listen to my daughter's video because it was really just interesting. She said, like, what did they do? Why, you know, it's just, it's murder, but it just happens to be legal. So I'm not preaching to you and I'm not telling you that I'm right and you're wrong because I'm definitely not right and I'm wrong in many ways. I'm just saying it's a conversation. It's certainly worth a conversation. It's worth education. You know, there are so many, I'm a natural food chef. I went to school for food and healing. There are so many amazing things. I made something out of jackfruit the other day. I didn't know what it was, but I see it on a lot of these healthy menus and I ended up making this barbecue shred jackfruit for tacos. And my, both my assistants and myself and my daughter, who's 11, freaked out because we couldn't believe how much it tasted like actual chicken in a taco. So if you take a little time and you're a little creative and a little adventurous, there are a lot of things that taste like meat. So that's just, you know, a lot of mock duck and you don't want to get unhealthy and eating all fake foods. That's one of the problems. Like people don't want to be boxed in a corner, but people also in their own lives feel they can't be boxed in a corner. So Tom Brady said he's mostly plant-based. So there's a percentage to what he's plant-based. And then Serena Williams also 
90%. People probably don't want to publicly be boxed in a corner because then it'll be, you know, my, the guy who I'm partners with in my charity said to me, well, you know, we, if we post this, Bethany eats meat. And, you know, and I really don't eat meat like a lot at all, but I don't not eat it. So he didn't want me to get sort of busted. And that's a big thing too, fear-based lack of conversation. So Serena Williams made sure she said 90% and I'm sure she didn't count, you know, with a status statistician or however you say that. Neither did I, but I'm pretty aware that it's about 90%. But you don't want to be boxed into it. And also, you might be boxed into it because you might be on a road trip somewhere and then feel guilty. But I know that it bothers me more than it used to. So that's good news for me. And great that she's already that age and thinking like that. So what do you all think? Have you thought about going vegetarian or vegan? They say that the dairy is equally, if not as bad as the meat and then if you're not eating organic meat, it's got so many antibiotics. My partner, Michael Capone, in relief work, who's vegan, he told me that it's connected to all the disasters because he said the foss- something about the fossil fuels. So he, there are many different reasons to consider. And I feel like people, and people also said negative things about PETA. You know, I, I'm sure they've made mistakes. I don't know what they are. I don't know that much about it. It's not like disaster relief where the money is going exactly from my hands to the victim. So I'm not the one hand. I've actually rescued dogs from Puerto Rico, but I'm not the one handing the aid to the dogs. I know that my dogs came from North Shore Animal League. I know that PETA is doing more than most people for this, meaning they do care about it. I don't think it's like a scam. Some people had problems with that, but I'm saying... I think that whoever these orgs are, someone mentioned to me a couple of other ones, like something Sea Shepherd, I think, and one one about beagles because they use beagles for testing or something. But I think that any change that anyone could make would make a difference. So what about if you feed your family meat animal five nights a week and you just all of a sudden now change it to three nights a week? That would obviously mean less purchasing. And what about if you're honest about the fact that most people don't really like the turkey as much as all the other fun stuff? And what if someone just does a campaign to like have a turkeyless Thanksgiving. I mean, it is a crazy thing that we just decide that we're going to just kill a bunch of turkeys for a holiday. Like that does seem screwed up. And the movie Turkey Run or whatever did seem like a good message. Like I do not need to eat turkey on Thanksgiving. I could tell you that. That is not necessary if it's just for, you know, because it's marketing. That's no less marketing than people saying they hate Valentine's Day uh, because it's designed by Hallmark. At least it's people eating chocolates. It's not killing anything. So I just think we should think more about this. And I, I might, and my daughter created a conversation. It is a fact. It is crazy, the comments. So I was shocked. So just let me know what you all think. I'm curious what you all think. Today, my guest is Jeffrey Katzenberg. Wow. I mean, what an honor, what a fascinating conversation. During his time with Walt Disney Studios, their value grew from $200 million to $8 billion. He talks to me about bringing the magic back to Disney, and now he is taking his innovative spirit to the tech world. He has a company called Wonderco, which is how I found him because we are both invested in the same business. I love his advice that in business and in life, you have to exceed people's expectations to succeed. He's done so much in philanthropy. He has an incredible family life and a beautiful marriage. You're not going to want to miss this one. He is fascinating and humble and brilliant. So where did you grow up? Um, I grew up in uh, New York City. 
um, on the Upper East Side. Uh, actually had a pretty privileged childhood. Um, went to private school in New York and um, sort of had a, you know, a very uh, advantaged, I think, and pretty great, uh, you know, family life. Do you ever feel guilty about that? No. Okay. Was success something that was instilled into you? Did your parents ever worry, like you might worry about your kids, if you wouldn't work as hard because you came from that kind of a background? I do know people who come from money and, you know, the next generation is never quite as motivated. So, yeah. So um, I, I think a couple of things about it. So um, one, um, my my parents um, were generous and philanthropic. Um, my father always carried around a wad of cash. And if you were lucky enough to cross paths with him, he would make your day. Wow. And I always asked him, why do you do that? So literally, if somebody opened a door for him or a waitress in a restaurant or uh somebody panhandling on the street or playing an instrument or whatever. It's, he, he was amazing in that way. And I, I always said to him, why do you, you know, I, I asked, why do you do that? And he said, you should take care of those that take care of you and that can't take care of themselves. And I thought, wow. And he said, look at the smiles on the faces that, happen each and every time. And, you know, I'm lucky enough, <clears throat> he said, I'm lucky enough to be able to share this. And it's just one of many ways of being able to, to do it. And so that generosity, that spirit of sharing, giving, you know, is I grew up with it, right? I saw it every day, every, everywhere I went with him, you know, he, he would spread his, his, his happiness. Um, I then, uh, very, very early on, I went to work in city government. And so I worked in service for, uh, first five or six years of my career for John Lindsay when he was mayor of New York and, uh, understood then in a, in an amazing way, what it means to not have, uh, and to, um, you know, where I was able to see, you know, up close every day you know, a, a harder side and made me appreciate it and taught me values. And, you know, I moved out of my home when I was very young and supported myself. And so I, I, I grew up in a privileged household and then made it out onto my own pretty early on. And I think those were the formative years that, you know, sort of contribute more than anything else to, you know, who I became. What did you want to be when you grew up? And what did your parents want fire you wanted to be a fireman of course and did you did you do anything to, did you ever did you ever go on that path or you no you, I'm, you... I'm talking about as a five or six or seven oh it's five okay so no when you when you were in high school what did you think you were going to do with your life I had no idea and I uh you know that's where you know I ended up volunteering for John Lindsay's campaign when he ran for for mayor and uh and you know did some really exciting things and then was invited to come along and join, you know, his administration as a, as a young kid and um, had a 
You just wanted to get on the road. I was like that, like get in the car and be going somewhere and it'll take you so many different directions, but just do your best at whatever you're doing. So get in, you know, that's how I've always. Yeah. And, you know, uh, I, you know, I always realized that I, I did good by doing good. An ROI. It's a great ROI. 100%. Right. And it means, well, what you said earlier, I, I think a lot, you know, you could be in a taxi or in a hair salon and or someone's helping you or a waitress, it means so much more to them than it does to you to be so generous. And it's funny because I do a lot of relief work and the bulk of the donations are from teachers, yoga teachers, nurses, you know, because they understand the difference $5 can make. So it is always so interesting. It's, it's not always really that, that it's, that it's the wealthy that are donating. It's often just people coming together. There's a lot, there's such a strength in numbers. Um, you was your family academic? My father was a stockbroker, uh, and uh, and you know my mom an artist, um, and uh, okay. So no. And what with you've managed? What's the greatest number of people you've ever managed? Uh, well, I guess probably uh, later years at the Disney Company, maybe twelve thousand people. So. What is your management style? What was it? And what have you learned? Because I find that that's challenging. Finding good people, managing, or, you know, and I'm so organized, but that's something that I'm always interested to hear someone's culture and true management mistakes and successes. Yeah. Well, that's a long time ago, Bethany. And I don't, I'm not sure that, you know, I would, I look back today and say, well, you know, that worked for that moment, that time, mm-hmm. the culture, the society, you know, the work ethic, it was different then. I mean, you know, I'm infamous for having said in somewhere in the 1980s, if you don't come to work on Saturday, don't bother coming on Sunday. I know, but I get it. You know what? The thing is you had to scale that back and I get why, because we're all in our tippy toes about everything. But I get it's not the same as it used to be. I came up working for Jerry and Linda Bruckheimer. Like you just worked all the time. You were so excited to have the job. You didn't care what you were asked. You worked 24 hours a day, went on call, and that was it. That was was the And that's why I'm here today, though. That's arguably why you're there today. Okay. Nobody really successful doesn't work their ass off. Jerry is my literally oldest friend. Had dinner with him him two nights ago. Okay, tell him I said hi. And Linda. Okay. Um, uh, And... um, you know, but, but here's the thing about it, you know, uh, it, it is, um, you know, when I said that I, you know, I meant it because I came to work with such excitement and such enthusiasm. So it was a little bit of tongue in cheek, but not totally, but that's the environment that, you know, uh, I wanted to be in those. I wanted to be surrounded by people who felt the same way, who wanted to do it. So, it's not for everybody. And I would say the same thing is true today. You know, at Quibi, you know, where, you know, at a couple of hundred, you know, Gen Zers, you know, the average age was 29 years old. Um, everybody that came to work there uh, was on a mission and they understood that we had a high bar, a very short period of time, that we were trying to do something halfway between improbable and impossible and high risk and uh if it works high reward you didn't come work there if you didn't 
sign on for that. It was never a nine to five opportunity. And I'm not knocking nine to five. I'm just saying that's not what that opportunity was. And so I really do believe that you, you know, you don't have to work the way I do or the how I do. You have to find the right way for you to be productive, to achieve the goals that you set for yourself, you know, to be successful within the work environment that you find yourself in. And, and there's no, you know, there's no single one size fits all to this. You're right. It's not, not, it's not for everybody, but you, you've done a fairly good job in your business life. So, you know, whatever, you're not living in France, drinking cappuccino for three hours during the day. So that's just not I your not, leadership so I am style. certainly not, nor do I have any intention to do that. Right. So, um, well, I guess is, well, management is different than lead. So you're, so hold on. So, so do you think that you would not be cut out for that kind of job today because of the way that the world has changed and the way that you're, no, no you have uh, to adapt, you know, got you, not all of us, you know, you're not the same person today that you were a week ago, let alone exactly. 10 years or 30 years ago. Right. So no, the world is changing. The world is evolving. I mean, listen, we're in the moment of the most disruptive thing to, you know, modern society, a pandemic and everything is a reset off of what it used to be. We're never going back to the way it was. We're no. just not. And anybody who thinks that we're going to return to the same rhythms of work, life, child rearing, you know, partnerships, friendships, romance, like everything has changed. And some things will be much better out of it. And some things will be nostalgic for the way it used to be. Right. But it's all changing. there. Did you know that May is Asian American and Pacific Islander Heritage Month? Macy's is celebrating by highlighting some cool AAPI-owned brands like Cardon, Kaja, Amelia George, and Hey Maeve. I mean, I love that a big brand like Macy's is supporting Asian American and Pacific Islander Heritage Month. It's important. But you know what? The best reason to check out these brands is that they're just really awesome. Seriously, you need to check them out. And you know what else? You have a great opportunity to open up access to college for AAPI students and help them succeed by donating to APIA scholars. APIA is the nation's leading nonprofit organization devoted to the academic, personal, and professional success of Asian American, Native Hawaiian, and Pacific Islander students. You can donate online or just round up your purchase at Macy's when you check out. So do what you can to help. Join Macy's and round up your purchase to the nearest dollar at checkout to support APIA scholars. Shop Asian American and Pacific Islander owned brands at Macy's.com or in store. Snag a job is where America goes to hire with the deepest talent pool in hourly hiring. With access to over 6 million active hourly workers, snag a job is the all-in-one solution for hiring high quality employees who can cover all your needs. On demand, temp to hire, part-time or full-time. You name the position. Warehouse worker, retail associate, grocery store clerk, fitness trainer, baker, stylist, bellhop, podcast producer. Yeah, Snagajob's got a worker for that. With our easy-to-use platform, you're able to seamlessly post and fill available positions quickly with a dedicated customer support team to provide all the help you need along the way. Kind of nice knowing you have a talent pool like that in your own backyard, right? 
Snagajob is the partner you need to keep your business running smoothly. So visit snagajob.com or text snag to 242424 to talk to an expert. Snagajob.com, where America goes to hire. AI might be the most important new computer technology ever. It's storming every industry and literally billions of dollars are being invested. So buckle up. The problem is that AI needs a lot of speed and processing power. So how do you compete without costs spiraling out of control? It's time to upgrade to the next generation of the cloud. Oracle Cloud Infrastructure, or OCI. OCI is a single platform for your infrastructure, database, application development, and AI needs. OCI has four to eight times the bandwidth of other clouds, offers one consistent price instead of variable regional pricing, and of course, nobody does data better than Oracle. So now you can train your AI models at twice the speed and less than half the cost of other clouds. If you want to do more and spend less like Uber, 8x8, and Databricks Mosaic, take a free test drive of OCI at oracle.com strategic. That's oracle.com strategic. oracle.com strategic. Good sleep should come naturally. And with the new natural hybrid mattress, it can. A collaboration between award-winning mattress brand Lisa and home design favorite West Elm, the natural hybrid is the culmination of these two companies' shared values. Premium materials, meticulous craftsmanship, and sustainable practices. Made with natural latex, responsibly sourced natural wool, and environmentally safe foams, the natural hybrid elevates your sleep sanctuary. Indulge your senses and supports a greener tomorrow. Plus, when you purchase the natural hybrid, you're also helping fuel Lisa's work with shelters and those in need. Since 2015, Lisa has donated more than 40,000 mattresses to ensure children and families have a safe place to sleep. Don't put off a good night's sleep any longer. Get a Lisa mattress today for a sound sleep tonight. Visit lisa.com slash iHeart. That's l-e-e-s-a dot com slash iHeart. I thought initially, and I still think, that people, you know, real commercial real estate changed so much because people realized how much they could do with so much less. And obviously air travel and hotel travel. So what have you found has been the biggest surprise that you don't need, that you thought you needed, and that you're changing forever? Uh, travel for business. The amount of travel that I did for business. It's literally, Bethany, I don't think they're, you know, for 30 years, I don't think there was ever 10 days that I wasn't on an airplane. Wow. Literally, you know, I, you know, I, there was a six year period of time. I went to China once a month. Wow. And that seems crazy to you now. Yeah. Not just because of COVID, just because of the taxing on your body, the dehydration, the packing. No, that didn't didn't bother me. No, I'm, (laughs) (laughs) I was fine with that. That, you know, I'm a warrior. (laughs) Right. I mean, you know, that George Clooney movie up in the air, that's me. So I'm, no, I was fine with that. I'm just saying the unnecessary uh, uh, investment. That you can survive without it. I like to be with people. I like to be face-to-face. I think I'm more effective when I'm in the room mm-hmm. where it happens as opposed to doing it, you know, over Zoom. But it's not essential, right? There's a quality to it and and a reward to it that is, you know, I think less, you know, just, you know, it's just, it's just not, doesn't have the same quality to it for, for, for my own needs, not for my, not for the results. Right. 
Yeah, I understand. I understand exactly what you're saying. Do you, you said you're a warrior. Have you always felt that you were a warrior? Did you think you had something unique, very young, or did the confidence of being successful at things make you more of a warrior? I came out of the womb this way. Okay. So it's <laughs> yes, my mom, she'd tell you that. It's okay. Just, you know, I like, I like that. You know, That's good at, to know. You know, at eight years old, I was out shoveling snow on the sidewalks of New York and getting 50 cents from the shop owners, you know, like I've been, you know, industrious and driven and ambitious and, you know, self-starter, you know, my whole life. And a lot of your friends are game changer, maverick, mobiles, warriors. Do you feel it's the same for all of them? They were just born this way. This is just who they are. No, you know what? No two stories the same. There are 8 million stories in the naked city and no two of them are the same. And same would be of, of Hollywood. If you had to describe how your trajectory, and if I get numbers wrong, this is just what I've researched, uh, of taking Disney from $2 billion to $22 billion, what was your goal? How did you do that? How do you think you did it being, you know, the Monday morning quarterback now? Yeah, so uh, that you're talking about the Walt Disney Company, and that really, yeah. be, I, I was just the Walt Disney Studios, so that's right. I, that, that 2 to 22 is Michael Eisner. I was the Walt Disney Studios, which went from 200 million in revenue to about eight and a half billion. So that's my little, I had a, I had a piece of the Berg. Uh, okay, I, wasn't, exactly. I, wasn't, I wasn't the whole enchilada. So mine was just the movies, TV and animation and Disney Channel and home video and all of that stuff. Did you, was it a vision? Was it chess versus checkers? Like what was going on? Well, we, you know, inherited, you know, literally one of the greatest, you know, legacies, um, you know, that had been created by anybody before Walt Disney. And, um, you know, I think he left an amazing roadmap. uh, And, you know, a vision for what was the best version of it. We happened to be, we arrived at a moment in time in which it was sort of bottomed out and just by a failure of previous, you know, post Disney and to when we arrived, the stewards of the place didn't really know what to do with it. Um, and so it, it had sort of lost its way. Um, but the assets there and the legacy and the um, uh, creativity of what he, you know, founded the place on, the values, all of those things the were soul. there. Yeah, they were all there. And, and you know, all you had to do was honestly open your eyes and come to work every day. And, you know, I, you know, the, the thing that I think probably, uh, you know, I'm more identified with than, than, than anything else is just the resurgence of the animation. And I, I have to say, you know, in every respect, I am just a student of and was a student of Walt Disney. And he had this archive of his work and his work process that was so clear. It was, you know, such a precise path to follow. And so, you know, he is the one that said, I make movies for children and the child that exists in every one of us. Wow. North Star. Just get up every day and just follow that idea. 
right? Like that's just such a fundamental defining quality that you just don't ever step an inch off of that pathway. He said, he said, my movies are only as good as their villains. So think about that. You've been around storytelling. Mm-hmm. Think about the clarity of that. And I can tell you, what did that produce during my tenure there? Ursula, Jafar, uh, Gaston, Scar. Knowing what the thread is, the line that all things adhere to, it simplifies things. So you basically just said that you were going with a blueprint written years ago that was working, if not sort of complicated and mucked up. So I think that's good for people with smaller businesses who think that the core of the business is good, but they can't figure out how to get at, you know the crap out of the way. I think that was really interesting. Right. And then also thinking, because I was going to before ask you about leadership after management, which often involves inspiring. I think what you just said, which was not, which was, re, you know, not reinventing the wheel, that's inspiring. That that seems like that was your leadership mechanism to tell people to bring back the spirit of this amazing company. So I think that's that's a learn that's a, that's a great thing for me to take away and for people to take away from this, you know. And you didn't overcomplicate it. Well, I he, mean, he, just, he he was the visionary, and we didn't need to improve on his vision. We just needed mm-hmm. to return to it and the values of it. And yes, the world had changed. And, you know, this was in the 1940s and 50s that, you know, he was a visionary, but the values, you know, the qualities were the same. Now, you know, we then went into the era of television and the cable TV and home video. And, you know, so how to build out and expand the brands, but live within, you know, those, you know, core values. Yeah. You have to have been some level of a corporate person to, you know, move up the ranks in that way. And a lot of people don't know whether they're corporate or a maverick or an entrepreneur. And many people are both. It's obvious that you are both. How does someone who's working in a corporate environment with hundreds or thousands of people or dozens of people, how do they rise up? How do they stand out? How do they play Frogger and and, and get to the top? Well, you know, I, I would say, well, one has always been for me is hard work, right? But, you know, um, some of it's luck, some of it's luck that you make for yourself. Um, I think among the things that were my luck, my good fortune, is I actually got a couple of great mentors in my career who in many ways maybe even saw more in me than I saw in myself. And, you know, one of them was uh, somebody that I work with, uh, you know, in, in the, back in the John Lindsay campaign. It's uh, two people, Sid Davidoff and Dick Aurelio, um, you know, were really, you know, two of his top three or four people. And they took me under their wing. They saw in somebody, you know, an ambition, a creativity, uh, you know, an enthusiasm, uh, you know, and, and, you know, help me uh, focus those to, you know, productive outcomes and outputs. Um, you know, Barry Diller hired me when I was 23 years old, uh, you know, as a gopher, you know, as his assistant, and then 
put me on this career path where, and I had, I didn't understand that's what he was doing, but every year mm-hmm. he would move me from one area of the company to another. And so I went into marketing and into distribution, you know, into international and, 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 and then, you know, when I was, I don't know, 28 or 29 years old, he made me president of the Paramount Studios, right? And in hindsight- So they're not organized mentors. Oh, no. Like, he, it just no, happened. He, you know, he, he with a plan, uh-huh. put me on a path Got it. to wow. get to this, like, you know, he, he invested in me for a decade. Wow. Right. And, 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 and I didn't understand it at the time. He never exactly expressed it to me, but you know, he had a plan for me and he mentored my career. I want to do that. I never say that. I never like have a plan for a person, even though I think that people could go all the way and I'll say that, but I love that not only for the person who wants to look for the mentor, but for the person to look for someone underneath them. I think the day Barry hired me, he saw someone who could go the whole distance and was going to make sure that I learned and had the experience that if I could succeed, I'd actually have been equipped, trained, learned how to actually do the job. I didn't get there because I got lucky and one something took off. Um, Fantastic. And so I've been, as I said, I've been blessed to have, you know, three of those in my career, people who were real, you know, real mentors for me. And they weren't just around work. I had an amazing mentor around philanthropy, which was Kirk Douglas, you know, and that's a whole nother story we can get into at some point. But going back on the work side of it, uh, I think the thing that I realized, and I was never articulate about it in my early years, but I did come to understand it later, um, which is, it it really became sort of my, uh, I don't know, what would you, you know, like my mission statement. It's real simple, it's two words, exceed expectations. And what I saw just is almost like Pavlov, right? Which is give me an assignment. And if I did it really well, the person I did it for rewarded me mm-hmm. by either giving me more, bigger, better, whatever those things were. And so that of uh, get a challenge and it didn't matter whether it was literally go downstairs and get coffee in Danish or you right. know get a script into some person's hand or go sign somebody to do it that by exceeding expectations of my bosses, it actually produced a great outcome time and time and time again. And so I just kept trying to always do that. And then as I sort of got on a bit in my career, I started to realize that um, being in a consumer business, which is what I have been for my mostly the reward there is exceed the expectation of your customer. So if you made a movie and people came to see the movie, it was better than they thought, you had a smash. And the same thing was true of a TV show. And the same thing was true of a, you know, soundtrack for a movie or, you know, a stuffed animal, or I don't care, pick any of those things. If the quality of what you somebody received in return for 
you know, uh, you know, paying for or striving or whatever it is, if the quality was more than they actually expected, they became loyal to you and loyal to your brand. And, um, you know, it just, it constantly became rewarding for me. And I then started to realize, well, okay, you know what, take that the next step. And um, I should, I'd like to try and exceed the expectations of the people that I work with, right? So not just the people I work for, mm-hmm. but actually people that I work with every day, are there things that I can do so that things don't become rote? You know, staff meetings don't become the same all the time that, mm-hmm. you know, the repetition of those things, they lose their edge. And so I always think about, you know, how do I exceed the expectations of the people that I work with? And then I went the next step with that and thought, well, what are the other things that are super important to me? And in terms of each one of them, I'm actually going to think about how do I exceed their expectations? So my friends, you know, all of us, you, you can't have too many friends. Yeah. Well, I put a big investment into my friends. You know, I, I am always trying to exceed their expectations, you know, calling them before they're calling me, you know, showing up for them when they don't expect it and being there, you know, when they have a need. And I do that for my kids. I try to exceed the expectations of them, you know, gets the, and then finally I married 47 years and I try to exceed the expectation of my wife. That's a high bar. <laughs> yeah. And I love that. Be- I love that because I've been thinking as I'm, I, you know, as I turned 50 about, you know, how to be a better friend and how to always show up for people. Even if I don't, I'm not the type of person that, I'm very antisocial, so I don't need a lot of that sort of attention, but to try to give it to my friends who really do need it. I just like that. And I always say good enough is not good enough. So that's the next level. What you're saying is the next level. Well, here's what that is. And fundamentally, it means you need to be a giver and not a taker. And I do think that we, we tend to fall into, we, the human race, tends to fall into those two categories. People are either fundamentally givers or they're fundamentally takers. And, wow. and do you think they can change? Yeah, I do. I think they do change. I mean, there's no, there's yeah. no question that um, I, yes, the answer is yes. And I think, I think people can be takers at one point in their life and become givers at another point in our life. We've seen that all the time. You know, we see that, you know, one of the greatest philanthropists of our time, Bill Gates, he was a taker. He's the number one mm-hmm. giver. there. Did you know that May is Asian American and Pacific Islander Heritage Month? Macy's is celebrating by highlighting some cool AAPI-owned brands like Cardon, Kaja, Amelia George, and Hey Maeve. I mean, I love that a big brand like Macy's is supporting Asian American and Pacific Islander Heritage Month. It's important. But you know what? The best reason to check out these brands is that they're just really awesome. Seriously, you need to check them out. And you know what else? You have a great opportunity to open up access to college for AAPI students and help them succeed by donating to APIA scholars. APIA is the nation's leading nonprofit organization devoted to the academic, personal, and professional success of Asian American, Native Hawaiian, and Pacific Islander students. You can donate online or just round up your purchase at Macy's when you check out. 
So do what you can to help. Join Macy's and round up your purchase to the nearest dollar at checkout to support APIA scholars. Shop Asian American and Pacific Islander-owned brands at Macy's.com or in-store. Snag a job is where America goes to hire with the deepest talent pool in hourly hiring. With access to over 6 million active hourly workers, Snag a Job is the all-in-one solution for hiring high-quality employees who can cover all your needs. On demand, tempt to hire part-time or full-time. You name the position. Warehouse worker, retail associate, grocery store clerk, fitness trainer, baker, stylist, bellhop, podcast producer. Yeah, Snag a Job's got a worker for that. With our easy-to-use platform, you're able to seamlessly post and fill available positions quickly with a dedicated customer support team to provide all the help you need along the way. Kind of nice knowing you have a talent pool like that in your own backyard, right? Snagajob is the partner you need to keep your business running smoothly. So visit snagajob.com or text snag to 242424 to talk to an expert. Snagajob.com, where America goes to hire. Tired of restless nights? Meet Lisa, the sleep expert. Here at Lisa, we know that good sleep is essential for mental, physical, and emotional health. That's why their mattresses are made for exceptional comfort and support, catering to every sleep need. Check out Lisa's Sapira Hybrid Mattress, named best hybrid mattress five years running. Sleep hot? The Chill Collection is built with cool-to-the-touch top fabric and layers of high-density comfort foams, all intended to remove excess body heat while maximizing comfort. With Lisa, getting a new mattress has never been easier. Delivery is free, and you have 100 nights to try out your mattress in the comfort of your home. Don't spend another night dreaming of better sleep. For a limited time, save up to $700 off select mattresses plus two free pillows. Go to lisa.com forward slash iHeart for an additional $50 off mattresses and select goods. That's l-e-e-s-a.com forward slash iHeart. Exclusions apply. See lisa.com for more details. Are you tired of your scented cleaning products smelling and cleaning like meh? Then it's time for an upgrade with the power of Clorox Sentiva. With an uplifting scent that smells like coconut, Clorox Sentiva gives you powerful clean like Clorox, but a feeling like <sighs> being transported to a tropical island retreat. Imagine putting your phone on Do Not Disturb, tuning out all the constant, just the feeling of warm sand in between your toes and a fruity drink in your hand. The ones with the little umbrella. Refresh your home to feel like an all-inclusive vacation by getting Clorox Sentiva. Also available in grapefruit and lavender scents at a nearby retail store. What are you not good at? I don't know. <laughs> well, how do you how do you accept defeat? If you lose in a game of sports or you fail at something, do you learn more from your failures and your successes? hundred percent. You- but I would say to you, Bethany, I I I I put it in this perspective that so I'll start by saying to you, I'm humbled by my failures. Um I I I never I always have owned my failures every at any point along, God knows. Having made 400 some odd movies and 41, I have lots of failures, right? So I'm, 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 I, I understand that. And I have always believed in owning my failures. And as you said, my greatest lessons come from my misses, not from the things that I've done that are successful. 
But having said that, let me give you a qualifier in context of what I just said to you, which is show me a good loser and I'll show you a loser. Ah, right. That's a great line. When you know something's not going well, what's your, what, what, what are your tools? Own it. You can't run from it. You know, you own it and you know, you have to take it head on and, and you know, those are where the lessons come from. Uh, you know, last thing that I did at scale, you know, was a complete bust, you know, was Quibi, you know, and, um, and a busted on a scale that is, you know, almost unprecedented. And I am proud of everything that we did. I'm proud of the work. I'm proud of uh, people that work there. I'm, you know, incredibly proud of the work that you know, the talent and filmmakers and storytellers and Hollywood turned out to do lots and lots and lots that I'm proud of, but the thing failed. And, and, you know, for all the great effort and all the time and all the money that was put into it, you know, it was a bust and that bust is mine. I'm humbled by that bust. I'm not humiliated by it. I'm, you know, and I think we all too often go too far. We go to humiliation. Great point. You know, yep. around our failures. And I don't, I think you can be, it's not always the case, but I think if you're, you know, many times you can actually, as I said, take pride in the things that you've done, even when they haven't worked and, you know, have, as I said, have humility around it. Well, you're, that's a great point. Cause you're not complaining and you're not necessarily explaining some things just don't work. Like it could be, I had a talk show and the guy, um, and I didn't love doing it, which I hate to say, because like you, there were so many amazing people and I didn't feel that it was right for me, but it was only, and it wasn't renewed. And I was sort of secretly relieved. Um, but the guy, Mike Darnell said that it did better than the talk show before me. But at the time, the president of the company was fired and somebody else was fired and there was nobody watching the show. And who cares? The point is, it just didn't work. Like not everything is going to work. Like it just doesn't, it could be the timing. It could be the day. It could be one mistake. It could be the combination. It could be just like magic in the wrong direction. But in our world, the one that you've worked in, grown up in, made a career in and mine more often than not, I think that the vulnerability of creative people who put themselves out on a limb, those misses, those failures are, are, you know, they're very painful and they're hard and they, and they feel a public mm -hmm. embarrassment around them. And in a way that's maybe what makes them great artists, like they care that much, you know, having watched so many great careers, I don't, the, the very, very best of them are yes. a roller coaster. Thank Nobody you. bats a thousand, well, nobody bats a yes. thousand, right? Yes. And so, you know, and, and, you know, you can be a, you know, literally, you know, uh, you know, best baseball player in the world and, you know, that 350. That's right? what I'm saying like, to you. So it's funny because I did stand up comedy for the first time and the only time last year. And I called people that I knew that was Ellen DeGeneres or Kathy Griffin or texted Chris Rock, who I cold texted. I just sort of knew him. And everyone gave me advice. And I forget who it was that I was talking to. And I said, oh, Kevin Nealon. And I said, I want to understand if you're prepared, of course, there's going to be elements and there could be something politically incorrect. But generally speaking, if you're prepared and you've done this so many times, 
How could they fail? How could Jerry Seinfeld ever fail? How could he go up and bomb? And Kevin Nealon says, because if you're not, if, you, if you're taking chances, if you're not, if you're taking chances, you have the opportunity to fail. So, you know, that's what I think is, go, is the situation you just described. Well, take my baseball analogy one step further, right? If you don't swing for the fence, it's not possible to hit a home run. Right. So, and you also have to understand that if you're going to walk up to that plate and you're going to swing for the fence, there's a chance you're going to have a pop out to the infield. Like if Quibi had succeeded, it would have succeeded to the fences. And if it failed, you said it was a shitstorm. So that's, I get it. Do you crowdsource at all? Um, is everything just gut instinct in every area of your life? I, I have always welcomed other people's, uh, you know, opinions and points of view and collaboration. I don't think I've ever made a movie. I didn't put it in front of a movie audience before it was finished. Since mm -hmm. they're the ones that we work for is the audience. Uh, you know, I loved working on Broadway because of the iterativeness of that uh, creative process that it's, it's almost like a partnership that you have with an audience in which you're constantly creating and evolving uh, uh, something on its feet as it goes. And, you know, I think collaboration is, you know, one of the things, one of the more rewarding things. It's not a solo sport. I'm, I'm not in a solo mm -hmm. sport. I've never been mm -hmm. solo sport. Right. And, you know, there, there are people that are, that, that do it. They rely on lots of other people to, you know, realize their singular vision, what most great filmmakers do. Um, so they have partners in realizing what, you know, Steven Spielberg, the greatest storyteller of our time, you know, he has a very singular vision for each and every movie that he's ever made. I've watched him up close. and I've just seen mm -hmm. his process. And, mm -hmm. uh, you know, uh, he relies on lots of people to realize the best version of what he has imagined and created, but it's his. He, he's, uh -huh, a, he's, he's the author um, I understand. In, in every, every I understand. respect. I, I don't, I've never been the author. I understand. So, so the reason that we connected is because I, um, what I like to say is cold called you. So I had been interested in the points space and telling everyone at home, I'd been interested in the points space, the airline hotel miles point space. And I reached out to this guy about this business and he said, uh, Jeffrey Katzenberg is an investor. And um, I liked the business. It sounded like a hidden chocolate surprise in, in, in the box of Cracker Jacks. And I said, oh. And I emailed you and just said, hey, um, I might be investing in something that this person says that you're part of. And you immediately said, hey, you know, when should we chat? And then we talked and we spoke. And I, you know, I spoke to Cheryl Sandberg about this. She was like, of course he called you back. I was like, I'm shocked that he called. I mean, I was surprised that you emailed me back. It was like, I, I mean, I was humbled. Then I said to you that I had a podcast and I'm so grateful that you're here because it's even exceeding my expectations. Um, so we'll see if at the end of it, showing up exceeded you. But the real question is, is if at the end of it, we did good. It's then, already then, exceeding. Then, then, it, then, it's I'm, a, then I'm yeah. okay. Right. I'm right. So I appreciate you responding to me. I'm excited about the business. It's part of your next chapter, which is Wonderco. And so how do you, and that's the main thing you're focused on. That's your, that your whole. Yeah. So sure. how do you explain so, that to people? Uh, 
actually uh, kind of fun. So when I, I sold DreamWorks, uh, you know, five years ago, and, you know, just the thought process around that is that, uh, as I said, if I go from, you know, beginning of my career over in the entertainment business, I have been associated with, involved in, in proximity to over 400 movies, 41 animated uh, films, uh, over 80 TV shows, five Broadway plays. At that point, I said, drop the mic. Ah, so you did know when to hold them, when to fold them. There was a... It just, I'd done it. I really, like, uh -huh. I didn't, you know, and, and as I say, it's not to say that I didn't love every, every one of those and the doing was incredible, but I didn't feel there was anything new for me there. And... And so, it wasn't the tables going cold. It was just that you could do it in your sleep. No, just okay. the opposite. You know, we, you know, how to train your dragon and trolls okay. and all sorts of Got giant it. deal with Netflix. And no, it company was doing well, which is why they bought it. Right. 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 You know, Comcast came along and bought the company for $4 billion, not because it was doing badly, you know, knock wood, it was doing well enough that somebody else saw great Tremendous value. Money. And and as I said, at that moment in time, I just, you know, because I knew someday, you know, it was there was no question about if someday DreamWorks would be sold. It was when. Mm -hmm. And so the moment in time when they showed up, I asked myself one, literally one question. If I were 22 years old today, would I be doing what I'm doing today going forward? Or would I be doing something else? Oh, and, great question. Right? Great one. Right. Amazing. And I just said, I said, actually, no. If I were starting out today and I were 22 years old, and I would say that right now again today, I would be in digital technology. I actually believe today that what I experienced in the movie and entertainment business in the 70s, which is when I was starting out, that excitement, that enthusiasm, that ambition, that opportunity, that world-changing impact that movies and television had in the 70s is what digital technology has today. And that's what I wanted to be a part of. Okay. And by the way, I didn't know anything about it. I mean, other than I use it. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and it's around me and every one of us. And so I'm aware I used actually digital technology in our movie making. And, you know, we were, you know, DreamWorks was a state-of-the-art digital animation studio. And it. so besides I didn't know anything about digital technology and gaming and all of these things that were sort of exploding. Uh, you know, if you look at the impact of digital technology in the last 10 years, there's almost no facet of your life that you can't say that digital technology has not impacted, mostly for the better. Mm -hmm. But that microphone that's in front of you, the earphones that you're wearing, the fact that we are having this mm -hmm. communication the, I just the way we are, and as yeah, like yeah. you, everything mm -hmm. has been impacted Crazy. by this. And yet, I will tell you that if you look at the next 10 years, I actually think the impact of digital technology will be 10x 
So literally an order of magnitude greater in the next 10 years than the last 10 years. And I think that's a pretty hard thing for any of us to imagine what that means until you start to dive in and you see today. And it's amazing to me, Bethany, which is it's mostly 20 year olds. Mm -hmm. It's literally Mm -hmm. 20, 21, 22, 23. And they've been doing this since they were 14 or 15. And I'm just blown away by their ingenuity, their ambition, their visions, their boldness. And it touches across anything that you can pick. Like you, wherever, whatever the world is of medicine today and how we all, um, uh, you know, how health and health sciences exist today, the revolution that is going to occur around everything like the like the way we grew up you and I going to doctor's offices and yeah. you know get getting a uh you know uh, uh a crown uh there's this wonderful company in New York called Dandy that has now digitized all of this like literally come in little wand and instead of waiting Crazy. you know two you know two weeks to you know and sticking that plaster in your mouth and all of that stuff in it Three days later, perfect crown shows back up here in, in this. And, you know, this is, you know, from a, from a young guy who literally had like 400 hours of dental work done, who went, this is nuts. There's mm-hmm. got to be a better way of doing this. And, yep, guess what? He's going to build a multi-billion dollar business on that. Changing the way in which, I, anyway, I get off here on this, but no, I know. So that's and that. So that's what WonderCo. You know, there's a there's a there's a guy that you know that that we met a company called Natomi that actually is using AI to uh, answer um, customer needs. So any kind of customer response where any of us are calling a company because we didn't get something or it didn't show up or could we get more information the level of automation that he has created um, using machine learning and AI to now he's 80% better response, more a better resolution than anybody else doing it today, just by the use of digital technology. And so I watch and I see these people today who have grown up this is, you know, they were, they, they were born into this, you know, you and I were along for the ride. <laughs> but and, it sounds like you're being fed by all of this. It's so interesting to you. And it's like the world of imagination, like Disney, and you're listening to all these other quote unquote authors and you're inspired. That's what it sounds like. That's, that's now how I understand the intersection of this points business that you invested in through WonderCo. And that's how we connected, which is amazing. Yeah. I mean, that's a young entrepreneur who has yeah. a really, really big idea which yeah. is all of us. And I'm, I'm sure this is, I mean, you and I talked about this, which is, you know, as I said to you, I lived on an airplane. I yeah. have more miles and bonuses and like crazy. I don't know how to use it. Same. Do you? Well, no, it's the only, I was saying, and well, it's the only thing that no one that I know is an authority on. Everybody's an authority on travel, on restaurants, on this, on your computer, on your phone, on fashion, on everything. Everyone knows everything about everything. Nobody knows anything about points. It's like a different language. No one understands. They, this one's got Chase. Well, this they, one's got they, Amex they, well, combined. Because there's a reason for that. 
they don't want us to know. <laughs> I know, but this is amazing. This is why this is the best business to get into. If you launch a shampoo, there's 5,000 shampoos. There's 5,000 salsas. I'm in all these product categories. I can't think of anything else where no one knows anything about it except for certain savants that I happen to know. So I'm excited. This is our business, which we will uh, talk about soon. Hey there. Did you know that May is Asian American and Pacific Islander Heritage Month? Macy's is celebrating by highlighting some cool AAPI-owned brands like Cardon, Kaja, Amelia George, and Hey Maeve. I mean, I love that a big brand like Macy's is supporting Asian American and Pacific Islander Heritage Month. It's important. But you know what? The best reason to check out these brands is that they're just really awesome. Seriously, you need to check them out. And you know what else? You have a great opportunity to open up access to college for AAPI students and help them succeed by donating to APIA scholars. APIA is the nation's leading nonprofit organization devoted to the academic, personal, and professional success of Asian American, Native Hawaiian, and Pacific Islander students. You can donate online or just round up your purchase at Macy's when you check out. So do what you can to help. Join Macy's and round up your purchase to the nearest dollar at checkout to support APIA scholars. Shop Asian American and Pacific Islander-owned brands at Macy's.com or in-store. Snag a job is where America goes to hire with the deepest talent pool in hourly hiring. With access to over 6 million active hourly workers, snag a job is the all-in-one solution for hiring high-quality employees who can cover all your needs. On demand, temp to hire, part-time or full-time. You name the position. Warehouse worker, retail associate, grocery store clerk, fitness trainer, baker, stylist, bellhop, podcast producer. Yeah, Snagajob's got a worker for that. With our easy-to-use platform, you're able to seamlessly post and fill available positions quickly with a dedicated customer support team to provide all the help you need along the way. Kind of nice knowing you have a talent pool like that in your own backyard, right? Snagajob is the partner you need to keep your business running smoothly. So visit snagajob.com or text snag to 242424 to talk to an expert. Snagajob.com, where America goes to hire. Tired of restless nights? Meet Lisa, the sleep expert. <sighs> Here at Lisa, we know that good sleep is essential for mental, physical, and emotional health. That's why their mattresses are made for exceptional comfort and support, catering to every sleep need. Check out Lisa Sapira Hybrid Mattress, named best hybrid mattress five years running. Sleep hot? The Chill Collection is built with cool-to-the-touch top fabric and layers of high-density comfort foams, all intended to remove excess body heat while maximizing comfort. With Lisa, getting a new mattress has never been easier. Delivery is free, and you have 100 nights to try out your mattress in the comfort of your home. Don't spend another night dreaming of better sleep. For a limited time, save up to $700 off select mattresses plus two free pillows. Go to lisa.com forward slash iHeart for an additional $50 off mattresses and select goods. That's l-e-e-s-a.com forward slash iHeart. Exclusions apply. See lisa.com for more details. Are you tired of your scented cleaning products smelling and cleaning like meh? Then it's time for an upgrade with the power of Clorox Sentiva. With an uplifting scent that smells like coconut, Clorox Sentiva gives you powerful clean like Clorox, but a feeling like <sighs> being transported to a tropical island retreat. Imagine putting your phone on Do Not Disturb, tuning out all the constant 
just the feeling of warm sand in between your toes and a fruity drink in your hand. The ones with the little umbrella. Refresh your home to feel like an all-inclusive vacation by getting Clorox Sentiva. Also available in grapefruit and lavender scents at a nearby retail store. What's your rose and your thorn, your high and your low of business, not of your life? My high, uh, interestingly, um, was um, something that just celebrated its 20th anniversary, believe it or not. So you, you may remember that after 9-11, um, I think all of us uh, in every part of this country were feeling, you know, how do we help? What can we do? You know, uh, you know, the, the country had a, you know, literally, you know, a, a wound in its heart. And, and uh, mm-hmm. you know, for me, I felt, well, the one thing that we all are capable of in our community in Hollywood um, is to um, maybe bring just a moment of relief in that because, you know, through our ability to entertain people, whether it's you know, great stories or great music or whatever those things are. And I ended up uh, partnering up with George Clooney to organize a fundraiser that was called Tribute to America, which was the first and most successful telethon ever in this country's history in which 10 days after 9-11, there was this two hours roadblock across every channel, every, you know, network, every cable, every radio, everybody for two hours. Um, This thing was called Tribute to America, and it had all the greatest artists and athletes and entertainers and all, you know, uh, in support of trying to bring a little healing at a moment when people were hurting. You know, we're entertainers. That's what we do. And um, so that's the thing which, you know, nobody ever remembers. (laughs) No ever show up on anything. But it is actually the thing I was proudest of doing it's it's not shrek or the lion king or beauty and the beast or those things and it's just you know that was the thing that i i just i thought wow we really made a contribution to at a moment in time in which you know the whole country was sort of in need um thorn uh no no uh i guess maybe uh you know, I got fired from Disney, you know, I didn't, I, I, you know, uh, and, and it's okay to get fired, you know, one door closes, another one opens, but it's the way I got mm-hmm. fired, which is too long a story to tell, but it was, it, 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 it was humiliating and, and it was, um, you know, really disappointing. And, and I, I look back at it and I go, God, it didn't have to be I wish it hadn't been so sorted. I, ah, um, what an amazing answer because I think about that all the time. The things should be done, come in the way you go out. Like things should be done clean. Breakups, firings, hirings. Uh, well, hirings. this is, well, okay. So this is literally is, is that, you know, I was in a partnership with someone for 18 and a half years. And for, for 18 and a half years, it was as successful a partnership as you could have in business. Right. And both of us prospered unbelievably from it. And then maybe as in relationships, you know, it ran its course Mm -hmm. and 
it was no longer working for for him. It was still working okay for me, but it wasn't working for him. And certainly his right to make that decision. And 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 I actually didn't fight it. It was like, okay, well, let's just do this mm-hmm. the nice way. And as you know, we all have friends where, you know, they've had great partnerships and marriages for very long periods of time. And at the end, they recognize they had a lot of great years together and there's a friendship there. And you can go your separate ways and still root for and care for someone you spent all those years. You can consciously uncouple even in business. Yeah. And I thought that's what should have happened. And it's listed literally, this was the complete opposite. And trust me, books have been written about it. It was as nasty a divorce as yeah. it gets in business. And uh, so I look back at that and think, God, you know, would love a do over on that. <laughs> I love that. That's a great, uh, yeah. And, but that's one of, that's like a, that's another big, big life learning uh, experience. So I'm going to give you, I'm going to give you the, I'm going to give you the last one if you have a moment here because we touched on it. And I, I, uh, it is actually the, one of the greatest lessons that I ever learned in in my life. And to this day, I try and live by these words. So uh, when I was like eight or nine years old, my dad took me to see a movie called Spartacus. Mm -hmm. So this was in the late, you know, like 1958 or seven or nine or somewhere around there. And Spartacus uh, starred Kirk Douglas. And it's hard to understand today, but then Spartacus was Batman. Like in that moment in time, this was like a hero, a genuine Mm -hmm. hero who sacrificed for the greater good, blah, blah, blah. Okay. So several decades later, uh, I'm making a movie at Disney called Tough Guys, the last movie with Burt Lancaster and Kirk Douglas starring in it. And uh, I go one day to uh, have a on a lunch break. I have a lunch date with Kirk Douglas and which I'm, I'm going to go see him in his trailer. And um, uh, when I get to his trailer, he's got all of these engineers and people with hard hats and blueprints and all of this, like, literally like 15 of them in it. And as you know, I knock on the door and he throws them all out and I come in and I go, well, what what are you doing, Kirk? What was what was that? And he said, well, uh, I've been doing with my wife, Anne, over the years, we've been rebuilding every year, you know, between 10 and 20 playgrounds at public schools. And today was my meeting of the next five playgrounds that we're going to do. And I said, well, what do you mean? He said, literally. You know, they don't have enough money in the public schools in this. And I think that the, these kids for after school and for, you know, recreational breaks and stuff, they should have great places to, to play. It's so true. Right? Yeah. And I went, wow. I said, I've never heard about this, but how many have you done? So, well, you know, there's 450 schools or whatever it is. He said, I think we've done like 150 of them. I went, what? <laughs> you know, and each one costs a couple hundred thousand dollars. It's millions and millions right. and millions of dollars. And he's been doing it for years. And I said, gosh, that's that's really amazing. And I said, you know, it's also incredible is this like no one's ever heard about it. And he said, Yeah. Right. And I said, uh, okay, so why? Right? The question I asked my father. I'm now mm-hmm. asking Kirk Douglas. And these are the words that he said to me. You haven't learned how to live until you've learned how to give. Oh, I love that. And that's so good. And I would say when those words come from Spartacus, 
Yes, your biggest <laughs> hero. That's well, it, it, it paved your life and all the philanthropy that you do. And that's so beautiful. Yeah. Um, well, then this is a good, the last thing I want to ask you, because I ask, it's called, I call it successful relationships. And it's people who are both successful, who have been together for decades. You obviously have exceeded my expectations on that one too. But I've gotten such amazing, honest advice from Dr. Drew yesterday said just, each day, it's we've been together for 40 years also, I think, but they said every day it's just about today. And other people say we give each other space, we check in with each other. So just, you know, some not run-of-the-mill advice that was just like cliche, but what really you notice that makes it a successful relationship that you have? I don't, you know, I, I it's hard to express. I just, you know, um, you know, I, I look at my wife every day. She's as perfect to me today and as beautiful and, uh, you know, uh, uh, inspiring to me today as she was the first day I met her. And that was 50 years ago. (laughs) That's amazing. That's beautiful. But so do you work at it? Do you invest in your relationship or it just comes easy to you? Do you believe in therapy? Have you had moments where you needed to connect back? Probably we should go, we should become research primates because, because we're, we've never fought. We've never had, I mean, we, we've had disagreements, wow. but we've never actually had an argument that would, you know, where there's a, where we stop talking, you know, we just, we well, have, your kids are lucky you know, with that role model. We, we and, don't yell. Yeah. Nobody's ever, you know, I've never raised my voice to her. She never raised her voice to me, you know, and, uh, you know, we've just agreed to, you know, we just, we make room for each other in a, in a, in a great way. And my reward is, you know, a, a, um, you know, extraordinary and comparable partnership. And, you know, I was going to say that's your teammate. So you, there's no reason to, no. Argue. you're on the same team. I think that's something that people need to really have in their bodies about relationships that you're on the same team, which requires trust, yeah. you know, which requires, so they've been together for so long. It's beautiful. No, but I'm just saying, if you say to me, Jeffrey, you can close your eyes, open your eyes and pick anybody in the world that you can be with. I'd pick her. Oh, I can't wait to meet her. I want to meet her. Wow. Well, please tell her I said hello. <laughs> I and your kids are very lucky to have role models like you. And it was, I'm so grateful. This was one of my, I went longer. I could talk to you for hours. Like there's certain people that I just are, I'm a, like a, you're like a, I'm a sponge to. So thank you so much for this time and this wisdom. And I really appreciate Happy it. Happy to be with you. Congratulations. Awesome. Keep doing what you're doing. Bye. We appreciate you. So that was extraordinary. I mean, it really just was wisdom. That was like getting a master class. Just please listen to everything he said. It was so authentic, so genuine. Never does anyone say we have to stop. Like he, he was asking me if he could talk about something else. Like I would have sat here for two hours. I don't want to take up someone's time too much. And I, I, I feel like I'd rather leave us wanting a little bit more than, than drag it out. But I just have to say that Every minute of that was amazing. Thank you for listening. Rate, review, and subscribe. We keep going deeper. We keep getting better. We're um, Every time I'm surprised by the things that people say. And in that case, one of my producers just brought up such an insightful thing is that a, a big business public failure wasn't as, a massive monetary failure wasn't as big of a blow to something nuanced and personal. Like to something that sort of felt like 
it hurt his feelings on some way, you know, just didn't seem like ethical or correct. So anyway, that was amazing. Thank you for listening. I appreciate you. And I can't wait for the next one. Thanks. There's no distance too far for the perfect trip. Hi, checking in for... Or the perfect table. Hey, where are you? Coming! And when you get access to Resi Priority Notify with your Amex Platinum card... Hey, this looks amazing! I'm so glad you made it. And travel benefits at fine hotels and resorts booked through Amex Travel. It's worth the trip. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. Tired of restless nights? At Lisa, we know good sleep is essential for mental, physical, and emotional health. From memory foam mattresses to hybrids that keep you cool all night long, Lisa's mattresses offer exceptional comfort and support with free delivery and 100 nights to try out your mattress in the comfort of your home. For a limited time, save up to $700 off select mattresses plus two free pillows. Go to lisa.com slash iHeart for an additional $50 off mattresses and select goods. Exclusions apply. See lisa.com for more details. So Puerto Rico is a beautiful place. It's a lush island. It's great for surfing. It's got a culture. Like you feel like you've really gone somewhere far and you don't need a passport, which honestly I do really enjoy. It's a beautiful island. The people are amazing. The food is amazing. The water, the beaches, the vibe. It's a great place. It really is. In Puerto Rico, you'll taste the influence of Spanish, African, and native Taino traditions, sometimes all in the same dish. Puerto Rican chefs and restaurants put their passion into every bite. Puerto Rico is an excellent destination for food, which may not be a well-known fact. Whether it's a five-star restaurant or local favorite spot, no one does food like Puerto Rico. No passport required for U.S. citizens and permanent residents. Learn more and plan your trip at discoverpuertorico.com. You never want to find yourself out on the water fishing without the essentials. So it's best to always pack a Columbia PFG Solar Stream Elite hoodie to protect against the sun. I mean, it provides great protection, and it's really breathable so you don't get hot. That's a win-win. Columbia PFG has a lot of great gear. So before you head out on the water, head over to Columbia.com PFG to shop their performance fishing gear. 